I love that we were singing the Hebrew names of God. It's very relevant. And though Jesus, the name of Jesus, incorporates all of those names, it's all wrapped up in the name Jesus Christ. When we go back and we look at those individual names and we realize what the name Jesus means, Jehovah Rapha, ha, ah, he's my healer. Jehovah Jireh, he is my provider. Jehovah Nisi, he is my victory. Jehovah, oh, man, we don't want to forget our roots. We don't want to forget our roots. And Jesus incorporates every single one of those things that God said he would be to us. It was manifest in one person, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Our comforter, everything that we have need of. Y'all can be seated. I want to go right into this. I really, I really struggled. Um, I didn't want to teach what, what I felt led I was supposed to teach. And sometimes we have, sometimes we get traditional. And traditionally, it's Thanksgiving. Traditionally, we would, we would speak on being thankful, uh, all, the, all the goodness of God. And traditionally, I would start working my way into the Christmas message, the coming of our Savior, even started on that. And why Jesus, why we needed a Savior, why Jesus, why he had to come born of a virgin. Those, and these things are important. And then in the back of my head, I was, well, I'm going to say in my spirit, I was, I was grieving something and felt led that this is going to be a pastoral message of instruction, of correction, of warning. And so I'm going to go with it. And I want to start off by saying that we have one source of truth. And that is that Bible. I encourage you, even if you use a device in service, to use a Bible uh, in your study You'll find old notes written in the side and in the, and it's just so valuable. Uh, this, what's between these pages is just so valuable. And, and we've heard a lot about fake news. And I don't, today's message is, is far from political. But it will help us think correctly when we're looking at politics. It'll help us think correctly when we're looking at marriage. It'll help us think correctly when, when we're looking at a job. This is the source of truth. We, we can't afford to go to other sources. And here's the temptation. And I, I put these passages in your notes. But 1 Timothy 3, when it talks about in the last of the last days, you could read down through there, deception is the beginning of all the things, the characteristics of society in the last of the last days. Deception is the start of it. And if we do not have an absolute truth to judge all other things by, we will be deceived, church. I don't care how long you've sat on a pew. Everything has to come back to this right here. And in 2 Timothy 3, 7, he was talking about women and he was talking about the home and how these deceivers were, were the goal was to get into the home. So what we're going to talk about today 
moms, grandmas, dads, grandpas, uncles, great-grandmas, great-great-grandmas. I mean, we have a responsibility to be the watchman on the wall. There's too many other sources feeding us information, and we were made to believe what we hear. Therefore, he says, take heed what you hear. And quite frankly, we haven't been doing a very good job of that. Taking heed because something's interesting. We want to listen to it. We just want to see, oh no, that's, that's, that kind of reminds me of a tree in the garden. Second Timothy 3.13 says, While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from which you have learned it. You have to be very careful when you're learning from people you don't know. And that's so available to our generation. That's so available. And how from infancy, speaking to Timothy, how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise. If you don't know the Scripture... You can't be wise if you know this from infancy. And y'all, we, we talked about this a while back. And I talked about putting something in the nurseries for our nursery workers, our nursery ministers to speak over the children. And Bridget caught vision of it. And now in our nurseries, we have a banner up every month that changes and they have a scriptural affirmation to say over the children from infancy. Amen. So when you go back there to take your kids to the one in the downstairs, the infancy room, look above the door, there'll be, and you take that home. Bridget's working on a book too. We'll get it all, we'll get it all together. From infancy, you have known the Holy Scripture. That is key. We have to go back when we're talking to our children, our, our, even our young adults about cultural things that are going on in the world today. We have to take it back to Scripture. My opinion does not matter. We, we have to take it back. And what I'm seeing right now, y'all just hadn't watched the news. I, I just haven't. I was home this last week. Uh, getting well, and, and I watched a little bit, and I, I was like, where is this at? Where, where is this news brought, where is this coming from? America? You have got to be kidding me. And it grieved me. Because it is so anti-Christ. And we need to be having conversations. And we very rarely cover this specifically. But today we are. We do it sometimes in in depth. But today we are because it's those of you who are not at in depth that might need to hear it more. Yeah, I said it. 
been locked in a house for many, many days. Y'all just going to have to stick with me. feel like there's fire shut up in my bones. <laughs> How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God has a use and it is okay to use it for teaching. It is okay to use it for rebuking. It is okay to use it for correcting. It is okay to use it for training in righteousness. And I'm not talking about being argumentative. I'm talking about loving people with the truth. Didn't John do an amazing job last week when I wasn't here? <laughs> I go to church even when I'm not here. I was at a church in Missouri, but I listened to John coming back through the mountains, and I listened to it again yesterday during the Razorback football game. I watched the hogs, but John was preaching, and it was just so timely and so correcting. And so training and so rebuking and so teaching. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. If you can keep up, keep up. If you can't, it's in your notes. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2. Paul says, preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Rebuke. Encourage. See, nobody wants to be rebuked anymore. You know, the book of, Proverbs, book of Proverbs says a lot about those who don't want to be corrected. And he uses a very powerful word for it. Fool. So I just want to say, I am willing to be corrected. I know, you've got it on tape. The flesh's nature is to not want to be corrected. We want to be right. But are you willing to be corrected? Are we willing to change our opinions to the Word of God? Not to me. Not to a politician. Not to any individual, but Jesus Christ. He is the Word. Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. There's the motivation. To suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, everybody say, but me. but me. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. You, keep your head on straight. Rick Renner has a great book called, uh, help me, Tanya, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. We've got to keep our head in the book right now. It's got to be our source of truth. 
It's got to be where our opinions come from and where we get the truth of, of what's really happening in the world. Jesus made it very plain in John 17, 17. He told God, he said, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. This is the truth. If we do not have an absolute truth, we will live an absolute lie. There is no other way. So the scripture that really rang in my ears comes from Ezekiel. And I would like for you to turn there because I'm going to do quite a bit of reading there. Ezekiel 33. Because this word is not just for me standing here or John standing here or Dylan standing here. It's for you. We're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He, he tells us of things that, to come. That's one of, one of the blessings of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that he can warn us of things to come. He can tell us of things to come. He takes what God knows. And when God says he can reveal it to us, he reveals it to us. It's very powerful. It's also a very big responsibility. You don't want to put a thus saith the Lord at the end of, of something you made up. Ezekiel 33 says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, When I bring the sword against the land and the people of the land, choose one of their men and make them their watchmen. And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not take warning and the sword comes and takes his life, his blood will be on his own head. Since he heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning, his blood will be on his own head. If he had taken warning, he would have saved himself. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes the life of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable of his blood. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word. I speak and give them warning from me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for God's people. You know, the church being silent, which I don't believe the church is right now. I believe a great awakening has happened. I just think that we've woken up angry and on the wrong side of the bed. I think we were supposed to wake up and go to action instead of just mouthing. In Genesis chapter 12, God came to a man named Abram 
This is very important that your children know this. This is very important that you know this. And he told Abram, he said, leave your country. Leave your people. Leave your father's household. And go to a land that I will show you. This was a very specific, this isn't some spiritual la-la land out here. This was a very specific piece of real estate. So specific that he gives the boundaries of it and the description of it in Exodus 23 and Numbers 34. There's other scriptures too, but Exodus 23 and Numbers 34. He tells them about this land. As they're traveling, he gives them more and more information. He said, go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Of course, that is ultimately going to be through Jesus Christ, right? The lineage. This word nation, I went to Vines, I went to Strong's, I went to the concordances that talk about the Hebrew words and what they meant in context. This word nation is G-O-Y. It suggests a political entity with a land of its own. A group of individuals who are considered as a unit with respect to origin, language, land, jurisprudence, and government. God created a nation uh, out of Abram. If you miss that, you're going to miss a lot of what's going on right now. If you say, that was just the 12 tribes. Oh no. It was to their descendants. It was to their descendants. The scripture's very plain. And y'all, there's so many scriptures that when I started trying to gather these together, I was like, I can't. I'm just going to hand somebody the Bible and say, you need to read this. I mean, if you really want the answer, because people want to be edgy. They want to question everything because they should question some things. They want to find a conspiracy in everything, because there's a conspiracy in some things. We have a source of truth. We have a source of truth. And we need to go to it. And we need to stand on what it says. So I'm going to take you into the New Testament. And we will, as best as this watchman and a few other watchmen out here, we're going to have our community educated 
where we will not have protest against the nation of Israel in our community. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it knowing full well what the Word of God says. Romans chapter 10. I know there's people in Israel that are not Jewish. I know. But the land is covenant land. So don't get caught up in all the little squirrels that you can look for just to be argumentative. Because that's a rebellious spirit. And you won't like the results of it. The land was given by God. And even in the book of Revelation, he is going to ha- he he fights for Israel and the Jewish race to the end. That he has not written off the Jewish race. He has not written them off. You did not, I repeat, you did not take their place. Oh, is Paul fixing to deal with some things? Are you ready? I'm going to let Paul do it. (laughs) I'm just going to read it. Romans 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. You know what? I think that should probably be our prayer. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They didn't receive Christ as their Messiah for him to become their righteousness. But folks, they're still zealous for God. And he doesn't ignore that. Skip down to verse, he goes on about righteousness. We'll do that another time. Skip down to verse 16. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. So he's telling what the prophets have said down through the time about Israel, about them not accepting Christ, that there would be others who would accept Christ before them and that this would make them angry and that this would make them jealous. Verse 21, but concerning Israel, he says... All day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient, obstinate people. He's talking about them. Go down to verse chapter 11. I asked then, did God reject his people? 
See, a lot of people just want to end right there. And I want you all to know the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. That was done by translators. So always kind of read forward a little bit. Make sure they broke the subject correctly. Because right here, this is a continuation to me. I asked then, did God reject his people? By no means. Arkansas, no way, Jose. By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel? He said, Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've torn down their altars. I'm the only one left and they're out here trying to kill me. That's what Elijah said. And what was God's answer to him? I reserve for myself 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, and it is no longer by works, and if it were grace, would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly it did not obtain, but the elect did. The ones that accepted Christ. The others were hardened as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor. Eyes so that they could not see and ears so that they could not hear. To this very day, David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs bent forever. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Oh, oh, Christians, let's not get in pride. Because we have accepted. Let's not get in pride. Because that's what I'm seeing. There's a whole lot of pride. But if their transgression means riches for the world. In other words, we got Christ because of their transgression. If, if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles. How? Much greater riches will their fullness bring. How much greater will them coming in? What more will that bring? I'm talking to you Gentiles. That's Paul. I'm just reading it. I'm talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. Oh, Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Oh, yes, he was. You know why he was? Because he wanted to wake his own people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Do we not read this stuff? And when we read it, do we not understand what it means? Ready? 
For if that, verse 15, for if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, in other words, the rest of the world got Christ because they didn't accept him, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Y'all, it's fixing to get good. I'm talking about this dispensation, this time that we are in. If you thought it was good with Jews being Jews and Christians being Christians, you just wait until we are what the scripture calls one. One. And we are not going to do that by bad-mouthing God's covenant people. It's going to happen by us speaking what the Word says. Us teaching the next generation. We don't vote for politicians who are against Israel. We don't. That's all I have to know. Where do you stand with Israel? Don't give me a mealy mouth answer either. We don't. Why? Because we have one source of truth. And don't let educators educate you into being a fool. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy. Y'all ready for that? Y'all have I ever read the book of Romans? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. It gets better. Verse 17. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, Christians, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in, which that's what happened, they were not removed. We were grafted in. Can I just get on another soapbox right here? The old covenant was not evil. Stop talking about it like it was evil. It was from God. It was just fulfilled in Christ. Yes, we have a better covenant. But it, it didn't do away with the old covenant. It fulfilled it. You don't kill your... You don't kill somebody, commit murder because you love the Lord your God with all your heart. You love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment just made, he just put it in fewer words. <laughs> love. Actually, put it in one word. Jesus. Oh, this is so good. Though a wild olive shoot, you have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. It's It's talking about Israel. It's talking about God's chosen people right here. Do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root. The root supports you. Man. 
You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Oh, this is what I hear Christians say. I don't like it. Especially the younger generation. I'm just going to tell you, I don't like it. Those branches were broken off so we could be engrafted in. He knew you were going to say that. You will say then. The branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted. But they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant. But be afraid. Mary, I can only think of one word right there. Boom. You knew it was coming. Don't get arrogant, Christians. If they were broken off, it's because they're unbelief, not. Don't get arrogant. But be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He won't spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. I like that. The kindness and sternness of God. It's like a good parent, isn't it? Right, Lynn? The kindness and sternness of mom. It's like, even in my sternness, it's kindness. He said, sternness to those who fail, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, talking about Israel, if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. He's after Israel. His heart has always been for Israel. It's for you too. Don't get upset. But please don't forget who his promise was originally to. Who he called his people. Whom he made covenant with. That is an, he called an everlasting covenant. That ought not make us mad. That ought to show us his goodness and his commitment and his faithfulness to this little dot on a map and the people that dwell there. And if you just think about that dot of Israel and Jerusalem on a map and how many nations of the world have sought to destroy them, have sought to take that little acreage It's spiritual. It's not political. It's spiritual. You aren't near as excited about this as I am. Man, when I was reading this, I was like, oh my goodness. God's able to graft them in again. Verse 24, after all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? It is their heritage. 
And I'm thankful. I was engrafted in. I wasn't born in by nature. I was engrafted in, and that's a powerful thing. I'm thankful. I am by that a daughter of Abraham. By adoption, so to speak, I've been engrafted in. But we cannot discount the fact, he just made it really plain, there are natural branches. And I like that he said, into their own olive tree. Israel has a place in the plan of God. They have a place in the plan, in the plan of God. Verse 25 is very important. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Have you ever read this before? I, I mean, I've read the Bible. I've read this before, but never before has it been so alive on the inside of me. I want to go shout this from Mount Nebo. I don't know who could hear me up there, but I just. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening, hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written the deliverer will come from Zion and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins as far as the gospel is concerned they are enemies on your account but as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. See, we use that all the time for ourselves, but let's put it in context. He made a promise. And let me tell you, this is important to us as believers. Because if he didn't turn his back on Israel, when Israel turned his back on them... He hadn't turned his back on you either. We ought to love this. This ought to encourage us in our faith. This ought to encourage us in our walk with God. How faithful he is to his word. They are loved on the account of the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. Their beliefs had an influence on us. They brought us Jesus Christ. They may not have liked it. They may not have received him, but they brought us Jesus Christ. And now our mercy on them is going to bring them in again. Whew. We have a responsibility. 
We have a responsibility. I'm going to go a little bit I'm going to go a little bit further. Romans 15. And you know, when I was thinking about, oh man, I just really wanted to get started on the the Christmas leading up to And I was sitting there during praise and worship and I thought, there's really no better message. We're fixing to go to Bethlehem, ladies and gentlemen. We're fixing to witness the lineage of David take the throne. We need to understand the heritage. We need to understand that that all came because of a covenant a man named Abram made with a living God. There would be no Jesus without that covenant. We need to understand a little bit more about the history of this book that we read. Romans 15 verse 23 says, But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. Paul's traveling. He says, And since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and then what's equivalent to Greece... We're pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. What? Oh, indeed, they owe it to them. Why? For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Man. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure that they receive the fruit of what they have given us. What they give us, spiritual blessing. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Covenant. The Word of God. They're the ones that wrote this stuff down. Passed it down from generation to generation. Memorized it from the time they were a child. Well, we don't owe them anything. I beg to differ. This is my source of truth. And if you're going to take what Paul wrote and take it out of the scripture... You're going to take a whole lot out. I hear people say that. We don't owe them it. Yes. The Bible says we do. I'm going to end with this. Psalm 122. Verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who, this is what we're supposed to pray. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Will y'all stand with me? I know this wasn't necessarily a salvation message. It doesn't have anything 
Well, never mind. It is. I take that back. I start to say it doesn't have anything to do with your finances, uh, but I think we just read that. He'll bless those that bless Israel. I believe it's one of the I believe it's one of the number one reasons that our country has prospered. Say this after me. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Father, we as a church body, as a church family, don't take lightly what Ezekiel wrote, that we are to be watchmen upon the walls. And as we look over our community, our homes, first of all, Father, our homes, by all means, we're the watchmen of the attitudes of our children of the words of our families, that our children and our children's children and our children's children's children would hear us bless Israel for the sake of the house of our Lord and our God. And Father, that when we get into conversation and as we get into opinions around the table, even this Thanksgiving, that we take it to your word. That our opinion be your word. And that we begin to turn the minds of those who would speak against your chosen people. And Father, we're not against the individuals who are deceived and attacking Israel. We want their salvation too. We seek their salvation too. We ask that the the remnants that you have in those countries, uh, the people that you have implanted there to speak your truth, be protected. That they have the words to speak that would bring enlightenment true enlightenment to the people around them so that they would not have to be destroyed because we know your word is out and Israel will remain because you are a covenant-keeping God. Let them see, let even their enemies see the beauty of your faithfulness to your people and want to be a part We pray these things because we love you and we have your heart. As John taught us last week, let it be said of us, they have the heart of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen.